Hello, dear viewer, and welcome to A Birdcat Wonderland. We are currently an Arsenal podcast, and we're all quite happy about it. As you can see, we have a wonderful guest today. It's Rami Shaban, the man who won three back-to-back Best Guests of the Year award, and is so good at it that we should name it the Rami Shaban Guest of the Year award. But uh, how are you, Rami? I'm not bad. I'm fine. What an introduction. Uh, at least I didn't call you Shammy. <laughs> yeah, this time, yeah. <laughs> That's we come in this podcast. Uh, it will. Uh, it probably will happen. And we've got the wonderful Chris. Look at you two. It's like a battle of wonderful hairstyles. Rami's, Rami's uh, roots are far better than mine. I need a touch-up, I think. <laughs> but I'm a bit more grey than you. So. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just hiding it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, right, we've got Rami for half an hour. He's been kind enough to give us some time. It's uh, a brilliant time to talk about um, goalkeepers because of the whole situation going on with the Martinez and the Leno and the... I remember him as Gunnar the Gunnar. That's it. Gunnar something from... Is he, I think he's Norwegian, isn't he? We bought him from France. We haven't had a podcast on him yet, have we, Chris? Uh, from Iceland. Yeah, you mean Runa? Oh, he's Icelandic. That's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From France. Yes. I knew it was something like that. See, that's why I've not done a show on him yet, because I'm not even sure what country is from. <laughs> right. So, first of all, we're just going to, for the people that are new that haven't seen Rami on any of the other pods, I think he's been on about four or five times. Just a quick summary. Um, Rami joined Arsenal in the summer of 2002 when he was 27 years old. Uh, at the time, Arsenal had David Seaman at the club, who was 38 and was the number one. We also had Stuart Taylor at the club, who was 21. Graham Stack was 20. Craig Holloway was 18. So, Rami, um, when you signed for the club, were you told you were there to fight for the number one spot or were you brought in as, as the number two? Like, Mark, was it a kind of Leno Martinez situation? Uh, yes, I would say that. Uh, I knew that uh, I wasn't bought, obviously, to be number one. Obviously, David Seaman uh, was uh, unquestionable at that time with all rights. I see myself a little bit like uh, Alex Runarsson, the new Icelandic uh, goalkeeper. Uh, I think I came in uh, quite similar ways as he had done. Uh, not much experience. <laughs> Almost, I looked at uh, Mikel Arteta's uh, explanation, keep, uh, get the death to the squad. Exactly the same way the boss, Arsene, said when I came. Uh, I was a bit uh, older. I think I was two years older than uh, Alex Runarsson. So uh, I went there to be ready if I got the chance. I would put it that way. Talking about when you got the chance, um, I didn't realise that... uh, So the notes I've put here... You made your debut in the Champions League game at Highbury in the 0-0 with PSV Eindhoven. Uh, the game before that, Seaman had been in goal and I think he played... Um, he played... I can't remember who he played, but we won 1-0, so he kept a clean sheet. Then Wenger brought you in for the Champions League game. Um, do you know why he dropped Seaman and, and played you for that game? Yeah. I think he wanted to give me uh, 90 minutes in the first team. Uh, if you remember, there was like um, four teams. Uh, it was two groups. First, you play uh, first group, and the two best goes to the second group. Uh, and we were already through. So this game against PSV didn't mean anything for us. Uh, but it meant a lot for PSV. Uh-huh. So that's why he played me. So he said even, I think it was four or five days before the game, he said, Rami, I will give you this game. Yeah, uh, so you get into the squad. So because, uh, I was very happy for that. 
Yeah, the game that I forgot and that I missed out was uh, David Seaman had played the game before that at home to Newcastle. We won one nil, and he gave another goalkeeper a chance in the game before that in the League Cup. We lost three two at home to Sunderland, and Stuart Taylor was in goal. So then you made yeah. your debut and kept a clean sheet against PSV Eindhoven. Then you made your league debut four days later in the North London derby as we beat Spurs three nil, and you kept another clean sheet. Um, yeah. And then Seaman came in for the, the next game uh, away at Southampton and we lost 3-2. And you must have been yeah. thinking, oh, he's brought Seaman back in. He's let three goals in after you've <laughs> had two clean sheets. What was your thoughts back then? Uh, my thought was just I was uh, over the moon just to have uh, made uh, my debut in the Champions League and the Premier League. And I knew even if uh, I was playing really well, uh, as soon as David was fit, he will play David. Uh, I think the same situation now with Leno and Runarsson. And then after that, David Seaman uh, pulled his hamstring. So that's when I got my third game, Roma, away in Champions League, I think. Yeah, 1-3-1. One, one. Yeah. Um, uh, so for the PSV game, uh, David Seaman was fit. He could have played, but he wanted to see the other goalkeepers. Good. All right. So, yeah, we won 3-1 away at Roma in the Champions League. The next game was at home um, against Aston Villa in the Premier League. And again, we won 3-1 and you were in goal. And then the next game, which turned out to be your last game, was uh, on the yeah. 7th of December away at Man United. We yeah. were only 1-0 down at the time and you got injured in the 43rd minute and Stuart Taylor came on. What happened to you? I know you broke your leg, but who did it and how yeah. did it happen? And I, I, I didn't break my leg at that game. I pulled my um, thigh. It was a, just a normal kick, and I felt something was wrong. And I remember it so well, even today. I got a perfect hit on the ball, and it just went to Ashley Cole. Uh, it was such a strange feeling. Um, uh, and uh, I felt something went bad in my uh, right thigh. Yeah, uh, so that's why I went off that game. Uh, I couldn't kick the ball anymore. And so, was that the last time that you played for Arsenal? Say again. Was that the last game that you played for Arsenal? Yes. Uh, yeah, first team game. Then so, I played quite a lot of uh, reserve games. So, how comes you um, you've done so well with the clean sheets and the North London derby? I was at all three, all three of the home games that you played. I was at all three of them. And I remember being quite excited about that we had another Swede, Swedish person playing for yeah. us, and that you played really well. And I was thinking, well, this looks like the bloke who's going to come in. Remember, in the nineteen ninety eight season, Alex Manninger came in for David Seaman, didn't he, Chris? When when Seaman got injured and Manninger was really really good. But then things didn't work out for him. Do you remember when when Rami um, came and um, deputised for Seaman in the uh, that um, 2002-3 season? Weirdly, I do, just because of the sort of the hipster element of it. Uh, I always I was always fascinated by players coming in that, that people didn't necessarily know. Oh, my cat's trying to jump down now. That's going to be interesting. Um, players from, from different countries that people didn't necessarily know a lot about. And I was always fascinated by the kind of the Swedish-Egyptian mix. I remember when we signed Rami, I was like, oh, this this is a, a guy I want to follow. And with the success of, of Manninger, who was Austrian, um, I thought, yeah, we're on to something good here. So I do remember it. And I also remember in that era... The I think it's fair to say the shirts were a lot bigger than they are today. Um, I remember seeing Rami like even at your size frame, it always looked like the, the shirts was hang, were hanging off you. Um, so yeah, it's a, a very different era going back um, that far. That that grey outfit in particular, I remember that one. 
The O2 shirt. Yes, yeah, that's the one, yeah, with the yellow piping. Yeah, I remember that one yeah. well. So I have why a few do you of them at home. Yeah, I bet. So why do you think you didn't manage to get back into the first team if you'd shown such promise in, in the games that you did play? Uh, when I came back, I was... Uh, I was... I remember I... After I pulled uh, my thigh, it took maybe three weeks or something. Uh, I stopped training. It re- went really well. But still then, I knew that as long as David Seaman is fit, the, uh, the boss will play him. But then... Uh, on Christmas Eve 2002, uh, I broke my leg. Uh, I think we were going to play Middlesbrough in the Boxing Day. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was. Uh, the practice before that, uh, I broke my fibula and tibula. And uh, wow. it was really hard, yeah. How did you do that? I, did, I, I read it on Wikipedia that you broke your leg, but I forgot to write down when it happened. How did you do that? Because that uh, that's, the, the, um, that's really bad to do both of those two. I broke my leg once, but it was only a, a fracture. But I mean, yeah, I was, my, I my leg was 90 degrees. Um, so, um, but it was um, the one who did it, he wrote it in his book, I think. So I haven't said it to so many, so I can do it today then. Um, it started, we played a small game, uh, quite uh, tough, hard, as it always should be in training. Uh, and then Dennis Bergkamp uh, was going to um, lob me, put it over my head. So I went backwards and I just tipped the ball on the uh, other uh, underside of the crossbar. And then it started to bounce on the crossbar obviously because I threw myself backwards. So I was on my back when it was bouncing in front of me. So then I thought I would kick it away with my right foot. And then uh, my defender, Martin Keon, wanted to clear the ball as well, but he cleared my leg. So you're you're laying on your back and the ball's coming back down. You decide to like scorpion kick it almost. And then Keon landed on you. Actually, I was going backwards when Dennis Bergkamp was trying to shoot it over me. So I went backwards and I just got the fingertips on the ball. So I I hit it on the underside of the crossbar. So then, obviously, because I throw throw myself backwards, so I was on my back. So the ball was bouncing in front of me. uh, And then uh, when I was going to kick it, Martin wanted to do the same thing. So... That's, I just heard a really hard, uh, loud uh, crack. Uh, and I thought it was a chin pad or something that broke because I didn't feel any pain. Uh, and then I saw Martin uh, limping a little bit. And then all, obviously all the players came uh, around me and they said, uh, just lay there. And uh, I saw their pale faces uh, when they saw my leg. So it was so dislocated. Wow, Chris. That's, uh, uh, have you ever seen anything like that in all your years of football and management? Once, yeah, once. Um, similar sort of scenario, but not with a goalkeeper, a defender. And it was the studs caught in the grass thing and his leg went, or sort of his leg, knee went one way and his, his leg went the other. And it was, yeah. it was it reminded me a lot of the, the sort of the David Boost injury back in the day. 
Um, and it was, yeah, just, just remember it was just horrific. Um, weirdly, yeah. it's, like, it's like Rami says, though, with a leg break, you, you know, you hear it, but you, you don't always feel it sort of thing with the pain whereas like an achilles tendon um that one is is instant pain and like i've heard that go and that's horrific but a leg break yeah you you sort of hear a noise but it's more the kind of reaction afterwards where people sort of see what's happened and then it's like oh god um and you see a lot of professionals i remember when eduardo did his you know sort of it's when the player looks down uh, or sees the injury that's when things sort of like really hit home what's happened so yeah pretty horrific and um I imagine it's quite hard to come back from mentally. I've never done anything that bad myself, but yeah, I imagine that's quite hard. Yeah, it was hard, and uh, it it was like my leg, whole leg, got numb. Mm. Uh, so it was uh, it was a very strange feeling. But you know, when you sleep on your arm, it's tickling uh, feeling. Yeah, it was the same thing with my leg. The whole leg was feeling like that, and then obviously the ambulance came and stuff, but. I was in pretty, I mean, I was in uh, positive mood. Uh, and I thought that it won't be that hard to get back. Uh, I heard so much about, like, if you tore your ACL or something, that's more difficult to get back. A uh, leg is healed by itself. But it was more uh, complicated than I thought, to be honest. Uh, and, uh, uh yeah, I didn't get any more games, but I tried. I, um, uh, I my goal was to be back to the preseason 2003 when we start up in July. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it must as you say it's so hard to sort of come back from that. Sorry, Danny, I cut you off then. No, that's okay. I was just looking at, at, the, at the stats. The, the only things I can find is that your next game after that was you went on loan to um, West Ham and didn't play any games. Yeah. And then you went to Brighton in the Championship. And your next game was the 19th of February 2005. And you beat Sunderland 2-1. So you were nearly out for, what, two and a half years? Two years? Three uh, years? No. Oh, I, uh, uh, <laughs> I played... Uh, few maybe 20 reserve games in 2003 2004 and then i went uh, i got a contract offer from saint-etienne in france uh, because uh, obviously uh, i spoke to the boss in march because my contract expired in june and he said there army i want to give you games but uh, obviously that season we went unbeatable so uh, I, I totally understand the boss. He said, listen, I can't change Jens Lehmann. Uh, even when we won the Premier League, I think we had four or five games left of the season. He wanted to go the whole season unbeatable. I would have done the same thing as a manager. I wouldn't change the goalkeeper um, when we are so close to achieving that. But it was, of course, frustrating personally. But as a team... As a team player, I have to accept it. And then I went the whole season without playing almost, uh, almost eight months. And then I went to Brighton uh, for three, four months. Oh, Chris, you don't know this, but Chris is an expert on French football. So do you remember St Etienne back then, Chris? That would have been the 2004-05 season. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say expert, by the way. <laughs> you are. I, I, I remember and, and obviously knew them knew them well. I must admit, it had it had um, escaped my memory that that Remy had, had gone there. In truth, um, but yeah, I think it, it's a well trodden path now for for Premier League players to go to France and back and, and the other way. So, 
yeah, it made sense. Did you did you get many um, many games over there, Rami? What, what was the experience? No, like? I, I no, I, I got offered to go there. Uh, I went there on one week uh, when they had their preseason. We went to Biarritz. Yep. Uh, and I played a few friendly games there. Um, I think they had a goalkeeper called Juno. Yep. Uh, a short guy, uh, almost <laughs> looking like Barthez. Yep. I think he played. Uh, he had a long career, I think. Uh, and uh, I didn't know that much about Saint-Étienne before I went there for a week. But uh, it's a massive club in France. Mm. Uh, they are like Platini's club. Yeah. Uh, he started his career there. So, and they have a very big fan base. I mean, it's uh, a very big club in France. And yeah. a lot of uh, fans and uh, spectators in the when they play, not today, but obviously, but normally. Yeah, yeah, huge history. I want I wanted to yeah. uh, touch on like bringing it sort of into the into the, the 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 time we're at now in terms of Arsenal. What did you make of the the situation that that came about in the end between? Martinez and, and Leno, having been sort of an understudy keeper for some of your career, did you sort of empathise, maybe sympathise with Emmy Martinez when, when he got to that stage? Because he came in and did such a good job. And ultimately, it, it sounded a lot like almost what Arsene would have done with yourself with, with Mikel Arteta, where it was a case of we've got good money on the table, but more importantly, the player needs to play. Uh, and Emmy must, yeah. have, must have been at that point. Would... would if you were in Emmy's shoes, would you have done the same thing? Would you have sort of said to the boss, look, you know, I, I've, I've come in, I've proven myself. I'm 27. I've got ambitions. You know, I need some guarantees that I'm going to stay in or I'm going to move on. Did, did you sort of think he, he made the right choice moving on there? I think everybody did a right choice here. Uh, I, I sympathize with uh, Martinez. Uh, I'm so happy that he got his game, so his value and confidence. Uh, and now they won. He had a clean sheet with Villa last time. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, everyone benefits of it. Uh, I think uh, obviously Leno cost uh, the club a lot of money. He have uh, more experience. Uh, I rate him higher than Martinez uh, today. Uh, even if Martinez, he had a very good spell. He had done everything right. But I think uh, Martinez as well, going to a club, uh, playing regularly, I think everyone, it's a win-win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you touched on, on Bernd Lano himself. Obviously, he's the undisputed number one at, at this stage. What, what's it, What? how do you sort of see goalkeeping having evolved sort of, even from because when when I say your era, we're not talking like thirty, forty years ago. We are talking only you know ten, ten years or less ago. The the game has changed so much, and, and goalkeeping as a whole has changed. Do you are you on board with the sort of the new regime of goalkeeping in that that all goalkeepers have to be good with their feet now? They have to almost start attacks. They've got to be able to be constantly on the move. You see, like I think it was probably Neuer that first brought in the idea of almost the sweeper yeah. keeper being halfway in the opposition's half. Do you? Do you sort of see that as a positive change for goalkeeping, or is it, or are you a little bit more old-fashioned in terms of that you like your goalkeepers to stay at home and and do their job essentially, you know, saving and 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 being the last line of defence? Uh, I think it's positive. Uh, goalkeepers are way more fit today than before. Uh, they have to, 
even the outfield players, obviously. But uh, as a goalkeeper, you, you like you explained it really well. Uh, you have to be like a sweeper. You have to be very good with your feet, uh, even both feet today, uh, not only one foot, even right, left, left, right. Uh, read the game differently. Uh, and I see uh, last 10 years, I think goalkeepers, if you look at the average height as well, is taller today than it was uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago. I just said Juno, uh, he was very short. He managed. I don't think short goalkeepers manage today at, uh, at the same level. So it's more, how do you say, more narrow to be a good goalkeeper today. If you look at 100 goalkeepers, they are basically looking the same, all of them. Uh, before, you had a very big difference. You had some on the line, very explosive goalkeepers, standing right, uh, reading the game. Uh, but today, you have to have much more than that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And, and on that, that same line, what goalkeepers do you really rate highly? What go- what goalkeepers do you look at and think, yeah, they're they're top level or sort of keepers that you particularly stand out to you in the European game? Are there certain keepers that you you look at now and, and you really rate? I like Neuer. Uh, I know he had a tough time, but go- good goalkeepers, you see, they came back. Neuer have been brilliant uh, when he came back, played after his injuries. Uh, Ter Stegen in Barcelona, I think, rate him very high. Uh, and if you look at them, they are very good with their feet. Uh, not only that, you have to start the game. I mean, you start the counter-attack uh, from the goalkeeper. Uh, it wasn't the same before. So, uh, But Ter Stegen and uh, Neuer, obviously, is my favourite. Yeah, good shouts, good shouts. And I, and I know it's not necessarily Arsenal-related, but... We've had. Oh, sorry. I have to. I have to mention Oblak as well in Atletico. Oh yeah. Madrid. I think yeah, he absolutely. has been so underestimated uh, all these years. Yeah, him, him, and Handanovic are the other two that stand yeah. out to me. You're right. With um, a pressure on a goalkeeper, like we saw even just just last night, there was some criticism. I, I hold my hands up. I I felt Leno could have done better for the the first goal last night personally, but. A keeper that's come under a lot of fire is not necessarily Arsenal-related, and, and that's Kepa Aretha Balaga at Chelsea. Do you feel, again, not necessarily knowing him personally, do you feel that the price tag is, is what's hindered his career at Chelsea? Because he, he's clearly he's clearly got a lot of talent. He was very good at, in Bilbao, but at the same time, you, you can almost sort of see it watching on TV that the defenders don't seem to have that confidence in him. And, and I guess as a goalkeeper, confidence is so important because it affects whether you come for a ball, whether you stay, whether you receive the ball to feet, whether you don't. Do you do you feel like that? Do you feel like a keeper of, of that kind of pressure with their price tag? Is do you think he can come back from that, or, or is that kind of where we're going to see the end of of his high level career because of what's happened to him? Uh, I think it's a very good question, uh, very difficult to answer with one word. Um, Price tax comes on uh, outfield players as well. Uh, De Gea had a very hard time in the beginning. In United, he came, bounced back. But he didn't have the same uh, competition as in Chelsea now. Um, and United is a different club from Chelsea as well. 
Uh, I don't think he will play a lot of much more games in Chelsea, to be honest. Uh, I think for him, for his sake, I think he should try to get a move somewhere. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, saying that, um, I think I remember he he was uh, once uh, tried to get substituted and he didn't want to get off the pitch. Yeah, in the um, League Cup final, yeah. Yeah, uh, those things I don't like. Uh, mm. When players decide if they are playing or not, I think that's up to the manager. So, yeah. as a person, I don't know him, but I don't like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and, and the last question I had, I know we've got a couple from our uh, listenership or our, our other podcasters want to ask you, but my, my last question really personally is, what's life like as a, a number two goalkeeper when you're joining a club? And, and I'm talking sort of in your, not so much peak, but when you're the age of, say, Renarsson, um or potentially David Raya, who's been linked with Arsenal, when, you, when you're being signed to a, a high profile club such as Arsenal um, and you know full well that the part the, the sort of the public line you every goalkeeper will give is you know I, and the manager will say they're coming here to be competition for the first team goalkeeper both keepers start on a level playing field etc and so on but you, you it's very very rare that a second choice goalkeeper comes in and takes the gloves um, and, and even in my experience when a goalkeeper gets injured um, in Martinez's case, for example, goalkeeper comes in. As soon as the first team keeper's fit, he seems to go back in. How does that feel for you as a goalkeeper? Like, how, how do you manage that situation, knowing that you're coming in as essentially a backup? Does that does that affect you mentally? Uh, it depends on where you come from. Uh, I think uh, Alex uh, Runarsson, uh, like me, I came from a big club in Sweden, but you can't compare it with uh, clubs like Arsenal. Um, I knew my role in the team. Uh, I knew that, as I said so many times uh, here today, uh, as soon as David Seaman is back, I know they will play David Seaman. But my goal was always, as soon as I get my chance, I will have to take it. Uh, so the games I got was very important for me. That's why I'm so happy with Martinez, for his sake, that he played really well, so he can go to another club. In my case, it was more like I knew David Seidman was, uh, his age didn't speak for him. So I always had it back on my mind. If I do good games to prove the boss that I can, when David Seidman retires, uh, I, I hope I get the chance to be the number one for the club. Uh, and uh, that's not maybe the case with Runerson because Leno is not, uh, that old so it's a bit different for him but I'm 100% sure he's very happy to be at the club and he knows his role at the club uh, and as soon as he gets the chances he has to take them not only to stay in the club but maybe like Martinez to go somewhere to get a good contract with another team, Premier League or wherever uh, so uh, I can't address it more I'm so happy for Martinez that he if, imagine he did it do any good games he would have been finished yeah yeah i agree with that and it, it, it is generally good to see like sometimes it's nice when a player moves on and you can still kind of be happy for them rather than thinking yeah. oh why were they sold or whatnot so yeah i agree with that yeah. um 
we just got a couple of quick questions to run by you because I know we're, we're pressed for time. So um, I'll do a couple and Danny, you can do a couple if you like, just to mix it up. Um, our first one came from from Ellis uh, and he said, what was the opinion um, on VAR reviewing penalties, i.e. keeper uh, watching if a keeper is a millimetre off his line? Would that change your training regime under the new rules of VAR? Would you be sort of changing how you, you played the game? Uh, it wouldn't uh, do anything changing the game for me. Uh, I have actually saved the penalty when I went like 30 centimeters uh, in front of the goal line. And it was a big debate. That was in Norway when I played in Norway. Uh Uh, And uh, that was like, if you look at the, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. Uh, I think it's very hard for the referees as well uh, to know where to put the line. Mm. Uh, So I, I went half a meter behind the line so I could take my step forward because a goalkeeper always takes a step before he throws himself. Yeah. So that in that case, it changed a little bit. But I think goalkeepers today think about that as well. But at my time, there was no war. So I still started from the goal line. So Yeah, your time is a lot better in that regard. Yeah, not, much not better. Um, Nikki Wilson from our group also says um, how does the second choice keeper know when it's time to move on uh, with regards to um, Martinez we've we've kind of addressed that I guess really haven't we in in what you said there like you you know when your time is right and and, and Martinez seemed to leave at a good time Um, what was the other one we had Uh, we had one about food which I'm just trying to find here from uh, from Rich who's our, um, our, our man with Egyptian family he said Ask him if he likes basturma and eggs. And he says it's an Egyptian thing. <laughs> yeah, basturma or bid. Bid is uh, eggs in Arabic. Uh, okay. No. Uh, bid <laughs> is fine. Eggs are fine. But basturma, no basturma. There you go, Rich. Um, yeah. you, you've been told. <laughs> yeah. um, he also asked if, if you thought you were going to displace David Seaman. Again, we've kind of covered that and, and he touched on the mentality side of, of things um in terms of, of how you manage that so we kind of covered that one um john also asked a question he said uh in terms of selling emmy do you feel it's a mistake he seems to be more comfortable with his feet than than leno i appreciate you wouldn't want to sort of go on record to say what's right or what's wrong but do, do you feel do you feel like it's um it's sort of a fine edge because you, you said yourself there earlier on, you feel that Leno is, is the better goalkeeper at the moment. Is that just an experience thing or is it just a case of, you know, just the fact that you rate him a bit higher at the moment? I, I, I'm always very, when it comes to rating goalkeepers, uh, I, I can't rate them after five, 10 games or even half a season. Uh, Emmy, was an, Emmy Martinez is in a good way. Uh, he's very stable. Uh, but I rate, like I said, I rate Leno higher today because of his experience, because of his number of games. Um, so uh, to say, it's like I think everyone—it's uh, a win-win for everyone. This thing—it's always difficult, and I don't think you can have two similar goalkeepers uh, on the same level competing because. It's it. Uh, I don't believe in that. I think Arsenal is doing really good by selling Martinez, getting some money for him, and uh, taking in someone who 
obviously doesn't cost that much and try to do something with him. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree with you on that one. And um, the final question is from our Josh. Um, and he says, um, can you ask uh, Remy if he thinks Lano is still recovering from his knee injury? And he says he looked a little bit sluggish last night. Um, obviously, having somebody who's had such a, a big injury as yourself, how how much does it affect goalkeepers coming back from injuries? Does it affect your your sort of uh, that capacity to change a game to reflect an injury? Because obviously, the, the injury that Leno had was... As a result, okay, yeah, there was a lot to do with the challenge that he received, but it was very much an injury coming to claim a ball as he would week in, week out. So does that affect your judgment, do you think, coming back from injuries like that? It's very individual. Uh, it depends. It's so many parameters uh, that plays around and how you are as a person, how you are mentally. Uh, in my case, when I came back from my injury, I thought... Uh, the first two, three reserve games, I thought I played really well. Uh, but then when I look at the games in the video, I see, oh, I should have done that. I should have done the movement wasn't like before. But when you're on the pitch, it's very difficult to judge yourself to see how you are exactly. So that could be the case, but it's very difficult to answer that question. Yeah. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for that, um, Danny. Yeah, that, that's that's me. Uh, that's me all talked out. So I'm back brilliant. to you. That's when I know when to shut up. When Chris starts talking, because <laughs> he asks all the best <laughs> questions. Right. If anybody wants to find Rami on Twitter, it is S H A A B A N R A M I. He's often putting pictures of himself. The last one was him, and I think it was Sol Campbell, Freddie Lundberg, Arsene Wenger. This is the kind of people that you hang out with that all know you because you're. Every day. <laughs> <Loyalty>. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, good mates with Freddie Lundberg. Uh, yeah, and also you played 16 times for Sweden, which we mustn't forget. And uh, that's one of the reasons me and Chris both kind of have a soft spot for Sweden and neither of us support England, although we're both English, because uh, we just love everything about Sweden. What a wonderful country it is. So uh, I think that you are nailed on. You've got a bloody good chance of winning the Rami Shaban um, best guest of the season award yet again. It's so good we've named it after you. So you're the only I'm person. So honored. <laughs> the only person who's up for it at the moment. Hopefully you'll come back and join us again for another short show during the season because trying to get you on for an hour and a half podcast that's uh, putting up with us for that long is, is way too much time for anybody. So thank you very much for joining us. You've been brilliant. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm very honoured. Oh, that's great. It's so all week because you're 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 brilliant. You always give us so much oh, of your it's really time nice. every time. That's good. And cheers for asking all the decent questions, Chris, because uh, I had no idea. I'd just blabber on about my cats or something. Oh, no, no, it's all good. No, pleasure. Uh, good to speak to you again, Rami. I really appreciate it. And yeah, do come Likewise, on again. Chris. Always fun Likewise. to speak nice to you. Nice to see you this time. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, yeah. but open to debate. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, we are recording this on Tuesday night. Um, the next show, you'll probably see this uh, sometime during the weekend. So we'll see if all the stuff Rami said comes true. And we play Liverpool on Thursday and we're playing Sheffield United on Sunday. So thank you very much for watching. We have been a Bergkamp Wonderland. Goodbye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>